Welcome to Archery Talk 101 podcast, your guide to better archery skills. We'll bring you the latest tips, tricks, and expert advice, but that's not all. We'll also have interviews with top archers and industry professionals and reviews of the latest gear and equipment and much more. Hi, my name is Rory Cantabra. I'm your host on Arch Talk 101, and we have a special guest with us today, uh, Nick. Uh, he's going to join us on the show and talk about all the exciting archery things he's been doing. And uh, in his background, it looks like he has a, a nice little elk in the back that I'd like to hear about that hunt. Uh, welcome to the show, yeah. Nick. Hi. Um, yeah, the elk in the background actually isn't one that I shot. Um, oh, so that, that one was from a friend who passed away who was a taxidermist. And so we needed a place to put it. So here it is. <laughs> well, it's it's nice that you'll be able to preserve it and, and you know where it come from and everything else. Yep. Uh, yep. So introduce yourself to our audience and uh, let us know a little something about you. Okay. Um, I'm Nick Holloway. Um, see, I've got a little archery shop in Emmett, Idaho. Um, I've been doing archery. I think I talked my dad into letting me buy a little uh, bear Indian bow um, when I was, or an Indian bow when I was about six years old. So um, I've been doing it ever since. I was pretty fortunate to have an uncle who was really good at archery and understood it really well. And so I, I learned quickly at a young age um, how to set my stuff up and, and do my own thing kind of. So I've kind of never even I've never even really been to an archery shop besides mine. <laughs> I've never had anyone work on my stuff except for my uncle and me. So um, it's it's kind of a funny situation um, when I look at everybody else, you know. Um, so yeah, that that's kind of that's how I got started. You know, I was my dad wasn't a big hunter. He went hunting once in a while, and he had a bow, and he would shoot it, you know, at his buddy's house or something, I guess, and. Uh, so my uncle who was really into archery. I, I was a little kid with a million questions. I'd follow him around and drive him completely crazy. <laughs> and he, he would let me from the time I was about 13 um, until I was 18, I went to his hunting camp, which was a big family camp. And we would have, I mean, the sign said anywhere from one to 60 people at any given time that we hung on the tree, you know, um, and we would just we would tune bows all day long and shoot bows and you know in the morning and the evening we would go out and hunt for deer and elk every day so um it was a pretty fun experience i got to stay there even without my family being involved i would just stay in a little tent or maybe with my uncle in the camper and and they would they would pick he would pick me up on his way to and from his hunting camp <laughs> I would, my mom would let me go so i would stay there for a week in his tent and ride his four-wheeler around and try to get a deer you know it was it was a it was pretty funny actually but a good time for sure so yeah so is your shop just basically for you or do you work on other people's equipment or we do we 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 work on all kinds of stuff whatever comes in um we we do a little bit of crossbow stuff um you know we sell bowtech and um, diamond bows mostly right now just because we're small in a small town um got yeah. a little website going so hopefully someday that takes off a little bit, <laughs> but well, uh, what's, what's the name of your shop? It's a uh, low mountain archery. Low mountain archery. Okay. Yeah. Um, if they want to get a hold of you, how would they get a hold of you? Um, probably getting on Facebook is probably the 
the easiest way. I also have a construction business, so I'm always up in the mountains building, working on houses and stuff. And so I'm, I'm in and out a lot. We're only open in the evenings and Saturdays. So. So the name of your website is what lowmountainarchery.com then? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Now I know those listening on the podcast won't be able to see this, but uh, <laughs> um, we're, we're, we're going to let you see your website once I get it up here where we can look at it. Click the right buttons. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there we go. Um, th there's your website. Uh, a lot of good information out here. I'm assuming you got bows. Yeah, we're uh, we're work yeah, we're working on all of it all the time. It's you know something we're doing on our own at, after work, so it's a slow process. But yeah, yeah, yep. So you got some fishing and hunting stuff and yeah, a whole bunch of other stuff. So. Yeah, so if you're in, interested, if you're in that area, definitely look you up, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. We we also build, uh, I have a, a friend that um, is kind of partnered with me, but he builds custom fishing rods also here in our shop. So we're a little tiny shop trying to grow, you know, one one thing at a time. So yeah, we've got, we've got a phone number here for you, 208-371-9524. Yes. Here at 1010 and a half South Washington, Emmett, yep. Idaho. Yep. So yeah, yeah, you're up in the area. Definitely if I get up to Idaho, I'll definitely stop in and see you. Yeah. Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah. You know, having a shop myself, it's it's fun working on on equipment and having especially sometimes weird problems come in and you look at it and it's like, oh, this only not only where do you? this looks right. simple to me yeah <laughs> and then you fix yeah. it hand it back to them and it's like oh you're a genius <laughs> yeah and then sometimes you scratch your head for a couple of days trying to figure it out <laughs> yeah but and i've had some come in you know when i have my shop and it's like okay you can't watch what i'm doing. I'm gonna work on it when you're not here because stuff i'm doing to your bow you're not going to like me doing it when i take a drill and drill bit and i'm drilling on your cans because you got a stripped out bolt Yep. <laughs> you know, yep. I have to drill through just right to get the head off so I can get the, the bolt out and put a new one in. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's uh, yeah, 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 you're always back there with a torch and a drill and all kinds of stuff fixing <laughs> things. So, yeah, yeah, and I know uh, one place I was I was working, um, I think when I worked at I worked had my own shop for a while and then I worked at Bass Pro and worked at Cabela's in the archery department. And I remember this one boat came in. I don't know why it was, but PSC had changed the threaded where the sight bolts on was the wrong thread. Uh -huh. And I knew what the thread was, so I could figure that out. But finding a tap, there's no place around I could just go quickly go buy a tap. So I ended up having to order from China because it was like a third the price of, of a tap, you know, that I could find an order in here made who knows where. And right. interesting, when I got the tap in, See, I bought it myself. I took it in. I used the tap. And of course, I brought it back home because, uh, you know, it was my tap. And uh, I had any more and retapped those threads, bolted a side on it, and sold, and we sold the bow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, it was like the day I fixed it, it got sold. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
you know, until the otherwise, you know, what do you have? Find it right, the different screws, and then it didn't match anybody's bows. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's kind of a pain trying to figure that stuff out sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, why is this not fastening in there? So I went and checked. Yep. Sure enough, wrong thread. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm always, always getting something somebody's glued together with epoxy and, then you know you got to get it apart, and then you got to figure out how you're going to put that back together when you're all done. Oh, yeah. it's a mess sometimes. Yeah, sometimes if you don't know what you're doing, you're better off to take it in and let somebody fix it. And yeah, uh, it, it's just one of those things that you, you know. That's how we learned was messing yeah. it up and fixing it. Right. You know? I, I just had. Uh, well, I was out of town for a day, and the kid that works for me, Dylan, he. Uh, he was in here and he called me. He's like, I got a problem with this bow. And I, I think it was a, a Bowtech carbon bow. Anyways, it, it, the let off was wrong and we were talking through it. And finally we figured out, oh, it was an assassin is what it was, Bowtech assassin. Oh. And so we're talking through it quite a bit. I'm like, man, I'd be looking at the mods and try to figure that out and your draw stops and stuff, you know, and it took him a while, but he, there was a four on one mod and there was an H on the other, but he thought they were both fours. <laughs> oh. So, so anyways, he, he finally figured that out, but it was, it's, it's just kind of fun, you know, learning and you just sit down and look at it for a minute and think about it. Usually you can figure it out. So, well, and then yeah. next time he'll, he'll know to look for that, you know, right, he'll be aware right. of that. So one yeah. time problem, you fixed it and yep. that don't work. So yes, yeah, super simple, but it's a big problem until you fix it. <laughs> yeah. I know when I had my store last time, you know, kids would come in with bows that they couldn't draw back. So they'd crank the limbs out. And I remember mm. this one one kid come in with his dad. Uh, the limbs were out of the pocket and, you know, slightly turned because they was above the pocket. And on those, the bows, they had to have at least half of the limb inside the pocket. Mm -hmm. You know, any more, any less than that. And it could easily twist out of it, break the pocket, and, and then your bow comes apart. And... Right. Uh, the the interesting part was he went to the other shop, one of the other shops in town, and they fixed it because he did the same thing, cranked it out too far. And she told him, it's like, okay, you cannot crank it out any further. This is as far as you can go. <laughs> so they come in to me and I says, okay, well, it's 20 bucks. At that time, it was 20 bucks to press a bow, no matter what I did to it. Right. Um, I did use my, pet, my press for putting in peeps, but I didn't charge for that because it was just to hold it for me, you know? Right. Um, and so I told him it's 20 bucks to put it in. And so I told the guys, you might want to stand back because this could come apart because there's nothing yep. keeping the limbs from twisting. You yeah. know, only the pressure of the, the old, you know, <laughs> Apple bow presses, you know, push, you know, hold outside the limbs, you push on the riser and, you know, they yeah. kind of bend in so it could easily turn. Yeah. But, you know, the rollers kind of help it from doing that. But uh, so I, I told him stand back. And so I pressed it, put it back in place. And I told him, okay, this is as far out as you can turn it. And then I, you know, that's when I found out either what's the other place they had said, but then it says, right. okay, this is $20 this time. Next time you do that, it's $40. It was a $20 stupid fee. <laughs> His <laughs> <Right>. dad laughed. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's you know? amazing how, how far people will take things the wrong direction. Sometimes it just, like, yeah, wow. that's, that's like, it's like, looking at a mousetrap you know what i mean you touch that thing and it's gonna bite you <laughs> yeah well and then your bows had about a 10 pound range four full turns right. and i know on the psc's i could actually turn them six and still be safe mm -hmm. um so if i had to i would go out six 
um, right. you know, because it was still safe at that range, but they only recommended four. But, you know, lots of times what I do is if they couldn't pull it back, I just, you know, put a shorter string on it and, you know, that shorten it, shorten it up and, you know, yep. fix it. I fixed a lot of draw links by changing string links and cable oh, yeah. links and twisting you know, things up. Yeah. 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 Sometimes you have to do more than twisting, you know, when you need yeah. 10 pounds, you got to do the <laughs> strings and cables because yeah. there's just no way to get there otherwise. Right. Yeah. So you, you told us uh, kind of how you got started in archery. Uh, mm. What have you been doing since you were that little kid in, uh, um, in between now and now having your own job? Well, um, I, I, I'm a big hunter. Um, I love hunting. I mean, I, as my mom says, as soon as I could walk, I was had a stick and if there was any water in any mud puddle or anywhere I was fishing or something, you know, <laughs> um, which is funny because I wasn't following my dad around doing that so much, but that's just how I was when I was born. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, growing up as a kid, I, I, I was pretty fortunate in a couple ways. One of my friends who was my best friend, he, uh, his dad was really into building guns. So, I, I mean, I was at his house one day and we were tearing apart some Mauser or something and grinding thing. I mean, we were making gun parts all the time, just building all kinds of stuff. I, I was always involved in that. And then I would archery hunt every year and everybody would have a hard time understanding um, why I would archery hunt when I had guns and I was always <laughs> shooting them. And I was like, it's, you, you can't, you can't explain what it's like to hunt with a bow. If you hunt with a bow very much, you go gun hunting, rifle hunting. I still do that, but it's not the same. You don't get the same experience. So, you know, I, I, I spent all my time hunting and fishing, everything I can do. If I'm not working, I've been in construction my whole life. Um, I'm, I'm out somewhere hunting and fishing. You know what I mean? Um, I, I think when I was 17, I shot, my first four point mule deer. And I think it was, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight bucks in a row. And five of them are four points with a bow consecutive years after that. So, um, there, there are no, no monsters, you know, but some decent sized four points. So I don't know. I just, I, I, I live to go out hunting. I like shooting competition. I like competing, but I'm, I'm more of a hunter, if that makes sense. So. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. I, I like shooting targets and spots because it develops my skill to know I can, uh -huh. if I aim correctly, I can hit it. And then yeah. I always like going to the 3D shoots because that helps you judge yardage and, yep. and not exactly pick your spot because shooting a 3D target is not the same spot you're going to shoot on a live animal because mm -hmm. you got different angles and stuff. So you might have to do different spot. But at least I know if I pick the spot, which I've gone out there and shot at a deer and forgot to pick the spot and completely missed it at, you know, at, at 10 yards. <laughs> so right. I forgot to pick a spot. I just looked at the deer and pointed in that direction and went. Um, yeah. But, you know, things like that happen. Um, yeah. But, you know, talking all, about all that. that is, yeah, all that is just to get ready to go hunt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, for, so my dad, I, I mean, periodically he decides he's going to go hunting and one, one, uh, year I had been out hunting and I think I already had my deer and stuff shot so he he says well let's go hunting I want to go shoot something and he gets his bow out and I help him kind of set it up 
you know, for an hour. And then he's like, all right, let's go. And I'm just like, oh boy, well, we drive up the mountain and you talk about picking a spot. Um, we were, we were going around this mountain and there was a tree there and there's a big mule deer doe laying under that for him. That was, that was, that was all he wanted. You know what I mean? He didn't care at all yeah. whether it had horns or not. He just wanted to try and shoot one with a bow. So <laughs> I range it and I'm like, okay, it's 35 yards. He's like, okay, 35. I said, 35. And he shoots and it looked like the, the arrow went right in the deer's mouth and the deer rolled over backwards and ran out the back of the tree straight away. And I couldn't see where it really went. And I was like, I was just kind of shaking my head thinking about what I thought I had just seen, you know? And, um, he, he's like, where, where'd I hit it? Where'd I hit it? And I was like, I don't know. It looked like it went right in its mouth to me, you know? And he's like, what? And I was like, what were you aiming at? He's like, I don't know. I was just looking at the ears. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, he totally forgot to aim. He didn't even think about it. I mean, besides nothing, nothing happened. He just got lucky and it actually went through the deer's nose and it came out the back of the head. That deer still ran like, I don't know, 400 yards. So I, I don't know. It was just, just a funny experience, but you talk about picking a spot and the more you hunt with archery equipment, the more you learn how important that really is and how much effort it, it takes on your part to do that when an animal shows up, you know? Yeah. But uh, even just, you know, I remember the first time I went to a 3D shoot, you know, shooting at the foam animal target was a little nerve wracking. It's like, and then after you, <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, it's just foam. <laughs> uh-huh. Right. Yeah. But, but picking that spot and, and aiming for something specific is, um, it's, I mean, it's really important. So you got to have a spot. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So I, yeah. So there's. So tell us about um, probably your most exciting hunt you've been on. Oh, um, well, I don't know. I've had a lot of really fun hunts with a bow. Um, I had, I'll just tell you, last year I, I was busy with work and had a lot of things going on. So I wasn't able to... Um, to get the time that I really like. I mean, I would like to have at least a week or maybe two to go elk hunting, you know? Um, but it work wasn't letting me do that. So I only had three days and I, I had a buddy, he said, let's go. We went out a couple of times. We were calling elk. And I mean, we were just, we were just right. We, I bugled so much that I almost couldn't talk. My throat was so sore for, <laughs> for two days, you know, and we were, we were just in bowls and it just, it just, no matter what we did, it wouldn't work out. We were crawling around in the brush with them. Um, every time we got there, the wind would shift just a little bit and they would just move just out of range. And so we spent two days bugling and talking to bulls from, you know, daylight till dark practically. And, uh, just, we just couldn't, either one of us could get a shot, no matter what we did, we'd taken turns going in after the bull and calling for each other. Anyways, it didn't work out. So, the next, well, two days later, I called a buddy who he had got a bow because I said, Hey, let's go. He was, he was kind of losing his, his, uh, his love for hunting because he was shooting everything with a gun. And he was like, yeah, you know, it, it's just not exciting to me anymore. I just don't really like it. And I was like, you should get a bow. It'll, it'll change everything for you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, it does. Yeah. And so, uh, 
so he, he gets a bow and he starts shooting and he's pretty good at it. He bought my, you know, my last year's bow and then I got the new one that they came out with and we got him all dialed in and we went to Wyoming and went antelope hunting. So we shot our antelope and we came back that year and he said, I want to try this next year. Well, I didn't have the time to help him with elk. So he hadn't gone out, but I called him the last day. I said, Hey, so last day I was like, or second to last day, I was like, I only have today to hunt, but let's go see. Cause they're bugling in one spot pretty good. So we get up there. Um, the first, the first thing we did is I, I parked my little pickup in the bottom of this draw and I bugle and they bugled, of course, 200 yards from the truck. They just started screaming, you know, and, and he's like, Oh my gosh, look, look at that. You're listening to that. And I, it's not even daylight yet. Well, we take off. I was like, well, we need to hurry and get up there and try to get on before they move off up the mountain. And we got pretty close into them. And we had a guy come in. Um, you know, he was, the guy came from behind us and we, we saw him coming and we, you know, I kind of nodded, Hey, and he nodded back. Hey, and I turned around and bugled again and I turned around and look and the guy's walking past me at 20 yards and he walked right in front of me and sat down to shoot the elk I was calling in. I was kind of like, holy <laughs> cow, you know, like this guy's brave. Anyways, we, we ended up, I said, well, take that guy. You guys split up on this little ridge. And I called in a couple of bulls to him and the guy has, he's shot some really nice bulls and he's been there when bulls that are in that 350, 360 range have been shot. So he knows what they look like. So I would take his word pretty well for what he's looking at, you know? And he said he had a, a pretty good six point, which I'm thinking was around a 300 inch bull come right down to 23 yards. It was just on the other side of the tree from him. And he's just, he's just talking about the buck fever and, and, you know, being so excited, he couldn't even keep an arrow on his bow. And he's thinking, he's thinking, I'm going to get this elk, you know, but he doesn't, he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know when to move because he's never had the experience. Well, yeah. he, then he looks off up the hill and 60 yards away, there's this other bull coming down and it's, he said, it's the biggest one he's ever seen. So I don't know if that, that's a 360 or a 380, you know, I don't know how big, I never did see it. Anyways, those, it was, I mean, just seeing him so excited that he couldn't even hardly hold on to his bow after kind of giving up on having fun hunting <laughs> yeah that was pretty cool and then we we that whole thing fell apart with the guy that was there um ended up coming in between him and the elk and shot a calf elk while we were calling you know which is fine I'm glad he got his elk but we helped him find that we moved up the ridge a ways and to a spot where I'd called the bull a couple days before and sure enough he was there again he bugled back pretty quick so I said, grab your stuff. Let's run down the mountain. We went down there a little ways and uh, I'm, I'm bugling at this bull and he's only, he's only about 25 yards from me and my buddy's on the other side of the bush. And I mean, I'm, I have a big chaparral bush in front of me between me and the elk and there's a tree and he's just killing the tree on the other side, right? There's branches flying around. I mean, <laughs> he's going crazy. I'm throwing logs, stomping, ripping grass out of the ground, making every noise I can think of that sounds like an elk to get him to step out. But he was close enough that he just wouldn't do it. He was like, nope, I'm, I'm waiting until I see you. And then, you know, every elk hunter's nightmare when you're bugling on a bull, you feel the wind hit the back of your neck. And I was just like, well, what do I do now? You know, because I got this big bush in front of me and I can't go around it quick enough. So I just climbed literally right through this bush 
right in front of my guy that was trying to get a shot. And uh, I went right to the tree where the elk was at. So when I stepped out, he was there and I was ready enough that he didn't, he didn't really get a chance to see what I was. And I got him, you know, he was a nice yeah. five point bull, but it just the exciting, the excitement of being, I mean, I was having fun with the elk and then I would look over at him and he's trying to pull his bow back and his hands are just shaking. And he, <laughs> I mean, he just, he didn't know what to do. And he was so excited that he could, he just, to this day, he's like, I just think about it and I get goosebumps on my arms, you know, and we're going to go a couple days again this year, but, but I don't know. It's pretty exciting. Every year is like that, whether I get one or I don't, um, I, I have a really good time doing it because I always end up with some pretty close encounters like that. So <laughs> whether it's my kids just, you know, getting excited and not being able to get a shot off or, or shooting and missing or whatever it is, um, it's, it's just it's hard to explain to somebody the difference in that and hunting with a rifle. Cause I do both every year, but, uh, yeah, the bow hunting is just, it's so personal. <laughs> it, it is, you know, and, and I, I do both as, as well, you know, but, you know, archery is kind of my preferred way, but sometimes right. it just doesn't work out. And, and yep. depending on where you're at, you know, there's one area that we're in that they don't come out during the day. Yeah. So, they come out right before sunrise and you know sometimes you just just can't get them you got to sit back a ways so they finally get to you when it's daylight and it's an open field so you can't put anything out there so you know that one spot's pretty much your rifle because we yep. got to be able to wait for them to come out when they come out a half hour before uh shooting time yeah you know, what do you do you know you're gonna miss them <laughs> in archery because they're not gonna yeah. be there yeah yeah it's it, it's fun i just bow hunting and watching people do it and have that experience um it's just it's super fun for me you know i just enjoy it every minute of it i i i've sh i've shot enough stuff now that i have just as much fun helping someone as i do shooting them myself um not that i i mean i'm happy to shoot but i'm also happy to watch somebody else shoot you know what I right mean? so anyways yeah. we, i have a lot of fun we've i've got i mean if you hunt long, bow hunt long enough, you've got a lot of stories to tell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that is kind of a, an exciting uh, story, you know, get the guy out there that, you know, almost thought, you know, hunting was, you know, kind of not really much for him anymore. And, and then get right. out there and, and, and so nervous and so excited, couldn't even draw the bow back. <laughs> right. It, it <laughs> was know? just funny. Yeah. I mean, it, he was, it, he was kind of like, he, he was trying to get the shot at this bull, but he, he should have been moving, but he's never done it before. So he just right. didn't know what he's like, that thing's only 25 yards. I don't want to move. It's going to see me. I'm like, well, you, you got to move. If you, if that's your opportunity, when he puts his head in that tree and starts ripping the tree apart, you move, you know? Um, yeah. But it, it was just, it was just so fun. I mean, he would, he would be sitting there shaking, trying to draw his bow back. And I would turn around and bugle behind me and he would think a bull was coming from behind him. So he, it was just, it was just chaos, you know, just super, super exciting and super fun. And yeah, it, it was just a good experience. So, yeah. Yeah. That sounds like that's kind of the fun part of uh, elk is you, you bugle and, and they answer back, you know, where the deer, you, you, you grunt, you don't really hear them grunt back at you as much as right. you do like with, with an elk. And yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's different. I, 
I was hunting with some friends earlier this year, um, and they were they were from back east, and so they were really big into turkey hunting. We were hunting turkeys, and we did pretty good on the turkey hunt. Um, but they were like, "Well, do you hunt turkeys a lot?" And I'm like, "Well, if I have time, I hunt turkeys." But the reason you guys hunt turkeys so hard is because you don't have elk. <laughs> if, <laughs> if you had elk, it, turkey hunting is fun, but it's hard to. It's it's hard to to compare the two to me anyways. Like I had a lot of fun hunting turkeys this year, but it's just funny because elk hunting is it's just hard to explain once you once you've learned enough about it and you learn how to get in them and they start talking. Like it's just it's it's second to none, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and and when you look at it too, you know, you know, in the fall you've got your elk, you've got your turkey, you've got your deer. Everything's all at the same time. You know, it yeah. seems like. Um, I don't know about up here, but you know, in Nebraska, our turkey season kind of overlaps part of our deer season. And uh -huh. you know, am I gonna go for a turkey or a deer? Get <laughs> right. a whole lot more meat from a deer, and I, I I'm still gonna be sitting either way, you know, yep. whether I'm I'm sitting in a blind on the ground for a turkey or up in a tree stand for a deer. You're still yep. gonna sit. Um you, you know, you just your different calls is off. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, it's a lot, it's a lot different. I mean, we had a really good time and, you know, they were from out of town. So, in um, I think it was in two days, there was four of them and we ended up with eight turkeys. So oh. um, that, that was, that was pretty good. We got the last one right at dark on the last day, just before you couldn't shoot him anymore. And he, he was so tired. He's like, I can't, he's like i'm really excited i know i'm not smiling like i should but <laughs> but i'm just so tired <laughs> we hiked all over i i mean it, and another thing is about hunting in idaho almost no matter what you hunt there's a lot of there's a lot of mountains so it's it's hard to it's hard to prepare for that when you're not used to it right um, yeah so it gets guys pretty wore out <laughs> Yeah, especially if you're not used to uh, doing all that walking in the mountains and yeah. Yep, yep. It's 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 pretty pretty good. I had some friends come from Kansas a few years ago and um they uh they were like, "Well, we're hiking the mountain four or five times every day." And I was like, "Well, how big is your mountain?" <laughs> they, yeah. they showed me what here we wouldn't even call it a hill, you know what I mean? It's just that's yeah. just part of our terrain, I guess. It's not even considered a foothill hardly. He's like, I've been going running up that four times a day. And I was like, boy, you better put your pack on and, and do it a few more times because right. it, it's just hard to explain like what some of the hunting can be like here. It's pretty rough. So, I mean, not all of it is, but there's a lot that's pretty hard. So, yeah, we have bluffs here. You can't call them mountains. They're, they're just bluffs. And, yeah. you know, some of it feels pretty steep, but not, not like in the mountains, you know, I, yeah. you know, I've been out in the mountains in Colorado and it, it's pretty much, you know, 30 degree slope or better going up or even steeper sometimes. And, right. you know, it's, it, it, it's a quite a bit of climbing. And, yep. Yeah. Colorado's, it's got some, some big high steep mountains there for sure. So yeah, pretty stuff. Yeah, I haven't been to Idaho too much. I've I've been back a couple of times. I was born in Idaho. And then oh, yeah? when I was a kid, we went back and then I went back one other time. And 
Um, of course, I couldn't get where I was born because I was born on an Air Force base. But you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. as 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 a veteran, I don't get on there. If I retired, I could get on the base. But yeah, vet don't right. like vets on. But yeah, really? you know, it's yeah, huh. yeah. Just just as, as somebody that served, uh, I don't have access to the base now. If I retired from the military, then I have access to the base. Okay. But, you know, I, I was born at Mountain Home Air Force Base. Yeah, and, and I yeah, don't. That's not too far from here. I've worked on that a few times. So yeah. Yep. Yep. That's yeah. It's only about an hour and a half from where I'm at. So. Oh, that's not too far. Yeah. No, it's not. It's not too bad at all. But, yeah. My my parents lived in Glens Ferry, Idaho. Is oh where yeah. They lived. Yeah. Which is not too far from the base, but. No, it's kind of a pretty little place too. It's uh, it's kind of a neat spot. I hunt. I do a lot of coyote hunting, and so um. Yeah, I get around out there quite a bit and shoot a few coyotes out around that area. So yeah, we we have some we need to get rid of out here too. That you know the area I was telling you about that has the deer come through at night. There's a lot of coyotes, uh -huh. and we see coyotes all the time and raccoons and uh, yeah, you know the coyotes are going to kill a lot of deer. Oh yeah, you know a so lot. we need to get rid of those and I need to get with the trapper that. Uh, um, is around here and see what you can do because you know in, in Nebraska as a veteran I get my uh, permit really cheap and in otherwise gonna be 70 I think it's 62 or 65 something like that I forget now uh, but it's it, you know for five bucks we get one it, it's the hunt the fish the fur bearing permit uh, the, the all the stamps you need uh, it doesn't mm -hmm. include like deer and turkey and antelope and all that kind of stuff but um, it's your basic hunting, fishing permit and fur bears permit. So I can, right. uh, you know, I can go through and, you know, do some of that stuff. And hey, if I know a trapper, I was like, okay, here's where, here's where I want to put them. Cause we know where the den is. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I don't want to go try taking a bow because they, a lot of times they come out at night, but you know, if oh, I yeah. see one during the day, but that area that's has all the deer in it, there's not a good tree to get up in. Yeah. Yeah. So the trees are, you know, kind of a, a, not a good spot. So, you know, I'm going to have to figure that out a little bit too. And yeah. Yeah. I had a, a friend that I, I met him at Cabela's and I was on my way to Canada to go on a whitetail deer hunt. Anyways, we started talking and he was, I was trying to learn how to take pictures and do a little bit of video. And he turns out he's an ambassador for the kind of camera that I was using. And he oh. was just at Cabela's so he could meet people. <laughs> But anyways, he's in there, he's in there working and, um, we started talking and, you know, a few months later, I, I invited him on a coyote hunt and we went out we've been really good friends ever since, but he, he was kind of a hard one to talk into bow hunting. And, and finally he accidentally put in for an antelope tag that was an archery only tag Oh, <laughs> and he drew it. So, so he said, well, I guess I'm going to go bow hunting this year. I need to get a bow. So we bought one of my old bows and uh, then decided, well, I'll try and go deer and elk hunting with you. Well, that was another one of the years where I just didn't have much time to go because I had other plans later in the year. Um, yeah. But we, he got his deer the, the day we went elk hunting. We went for two days and he got his white, a big mule deer doe. He thought that was pretty cool. And then I had one day that I could hunt antelope with him. And I said, well, go out there and check it out see what you see. 
and then we'll go out there on this one day i'll help you and then you can hunt there by yourself after that anyways he he comes back with a picture of a buck that was you know just a nice white a nice antelope buck and he said this is the one i want to get he's kind of got a gimp on his leg it looks like maybe somebody had already shot at him and he had a cut on his lower leg you know I was like, okay, the chances of us finding that are almost zero. <laughs> Antelope just don't stay in one spot very good, you know? And so we, we go out there and we're looking around and there's just not many antelope out there that time when we're doing spot and stock. And as we're, we're heading down this one ridge into a big flat meadow where there was some water, the coyotes started howling really good. And we're just walking. And I mean, they're, they're only 300 yards away from us and they're just howling like crazy. And he goes, he goes, you want to shoot a coyote? And I was like, what do you mean? I was like, you want to, you want to try with your bow and I'll call for you. <laughs> he goes, yeah, that's what I want. And I was like, oh man, that's tough. Spot in stock. We're going to call in a coyote. Anyways, <laughs> we found a spot. We sat up. I called this coyote in. So his first coyote, he shot it at 20 yards with his bow on a call in. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then later that day, when we were hiking back, we hadn't gotten antelope. We got back to where we parked the vehicle and we kind of threw our packs on the ground. And it, the buck antelope that he had been wanting to shoot stood up about 400, three, 400 yards away and started walking towards the vehicle. So we hid behind, <laughs> we hid behind his truck and it walked past us a couple hundred yards and down the draw and it, it laid down and bedded down again. So, anyways, we snuck up on that and he shot that too. Um, so, in like three days of hunting he's already got a deer a nice antelope buck and a coyote on a call-in with a bow <laughs> and so uh, he he was like man this is so easy he's like i i can't believe how easy bow hunting is and i was like don't kid yourself like <laughs> yeah like, the stars are probably aren't going to align like that again for a while so right anyways it, it was really fun i mean he had a super good time but i think it took him almost three years after that to get another animal with the bow <laughs> trying and he was trying pretty hard you know but um it was kind of perfect circumstance and then I was close enough to him I was able to kind of tell him what to do and it, it just worked out like I I don't know how to explain it any other way like the stars aligned perfectly for him that year and yeah. he, he he got more experience in two days than anybody else gets in you know three years of hunting so oh yeah and you know, you like to see, you know, new hunters, you know, get these nice, nice animals, but you know, it's going to ruin them because now oh. they're going to expect to get it every time. And, you yep. know, some of us started out, you know, seeing a footprint in the dirt was, was a good day. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that meant at yeah. least there was a deer at some point in this area. <laughs> yep. And, and I think that's, you know, that's how it usually goes. Um, a lot of guys spent, you know, a lot of years hunting and just trying to get a shot at a deer or something. So, um, I, if, if a guy doesn't have a lot of experience already hunting, I usually tell him, don't wait for a big buck. Don't try and get a big giant six point bull elk, you know, just, just shoot a spike or a small bull or a cow shoot something because it seems like to me after they've done it once they, they become a lot better at it really quick. Um, right. But if you're never taking a shot and you're never trying, you don't get the experience that you need sometimes. And, and then you end up hunting for seven or 10 years before you kill something, you know, and 
not everybody wants to shoot a doe, but I, I try pretty hard to get a, a new hunter. I'm just like, just, just get one. Just don't, don't worry too much about what it is and, and get one and get that under your belt and the whole experience. And it will improve your hunting after that a lot. Like you just become a better hunter by doing it. So, well, and I generally hunt for the does, you know, uh -huh. if the buck comes by, that's a bonus, right? You know, um, <laughs> yep. you know, I, the does actually generally taste better. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, than the butts. You can't eat yep. the rack and it's kind of expensive because you got to do something to rack. If it's a nice rack, <laughs> if, you know, yeah. if it's a crappy looking rack, then you just cut it off and use it for whatever. And, um, yep. you know, we do have a comment in the, from the group, um, huh. for those, uh, listening, you know, if you don't already know the art shock one on Facebook group gets to do this live and they can interact with this. Uh, Jim, uh, says, Past my prime for elk hunting, but it sounds like such a great challenge, especially with traditional equipment. He's a traditional archer, so uh -huh. he doesn't have the compound. He's got, you know, the stick and the string, and yep. and uh, it's uh, it, it would definitely be a challenge. You got to look closer. Yeah, yeah. It, if I, you know, I've actually met some guys. I haven't hunted them a lot myself with traditional archery. I've just. I just got into compounds when I was a kid. So that's what I've done. But um, he actually preferred using traditional archery equipment. He got rid of all of his compound stuff because he would, wherever he was calling, it was pretty thick. And he said he didn't have enough time to draw that bow back and aim. And he, the last time I talked to that guy, he was five for five years in a row. And the farthest one he shot was uh, seven yards. So. <laughs> You know, he, I don't know where he was hunting, but he was calling him. I mean, he said, I don't know. He's like, I don't know how anybody gets one with a compound bow because you can't aim. He's like, they just run you over when you call. And I'm like, he's one of those guys that naturally just calls real good right off the bat, you know? And <laughs> anyways, he, he had five bulls in a row with traditional archery and the farthest one was seven yards. Like he's, he's like, literally I drop back and just, just put it right on them and shoot them. And they're five feet from me, you know? So I, I don't know. I, ha I haven't had that trouble with bulls, but you know, most of the elk, most of the elk that I've shot are bulls are all, they're all usually under 25 yards. So yeah, but usually if they, if you're, if it's going to work out, it works out pretty good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Now they're, when they come in, they come in close. I've had deer, um, you know, in that real close range and you know where i can see the hair changing colors when the broadhead slice through the uh, the hair you know the underside is kind of gray and the outside is kind of a, a reddish color you know when it's hunting season and i've seen the hair turn gray when the broadhead sliced through the the outer layer of the the hair right. and yeah. yeah that's that's close <laughs> yeah yeah it's 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 fun i i mean i think if, if you practice your calling um, traditional archery equipment, it's, it's definitely doable. So, yeah, it, it, it's more of a challenge, I guess, because a lot of guys will shoot a long ways with a compound bow. I try to keep it pretty short range, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely doable getting the, getting the thick stuff with them and call at them and you'll, you'll have elk come right by you. So I, I've seen some videos where the, uh, uh, the, the animals basically coming up and sniffing the tip of the broadhead, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I haven't had bulls do that to me, but I've had cows and calves do that plenty of times. Just, just right up to me, just 
I mean, they're just looking you right in the face from five, six feet away and looking around trying to figure out what's making that noise. They walk away and you you make another sound and they turn around and come back and stand there again. And it's pretty <laughs> cool. But if, if I was if I was hunting with traditional equipment, I would be shooting those cows. You know, I would I would go ahead and shoot one with the traditional equipment. I mean, I think that's that's a, that's a just another step past where uh, the compounds and stuff are. So. Yeah, you need a little bit longer range, uh, a little more power, but you yep. know, when you're shooting a big heavy arrow, um, you know, it don't have to go fast. Yeah, no, it, it works just fine. You just wait for a good angle and shoot them, you know, it'll get them. Well, and even on a compound, my very first shot I was able to take at a deer that I took at a deer was about five years in. And uh -huh. I'd set up there was some brush on between me and the trail. That they were, I expected to walk down, and I had to get up about twenty feet in the air in order to get over it to shoot over it. And when I shot that arrow, that deer turned around and it was hanging. I think it almost went all the way through up to the fletching. And I was shooting uh, fifty-two pounds. Uh, that's back when aluminum arrows before carbons come out, and right. it was a twenty-one seventeen full length, one hundred and forty-five grain tip. I don't know what that thing weighed, but. <laughs> It was heavy, wow. and out of 52 right. pounds, I almost went clean through that deer. And yeah. uh, you don't need a lot of a lot of speed and power. Now, my bow now I'm shooting a quite a bit lighter arrow. It's right about 400 grains for my hunting arrows, and right. at 70 pounds, you know, I got some pretty good speed out of it. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I I've been shooting long enough that I remember carbon arrows coming out, and I remember the the hours spent trying to tune you know, a broadhead to an aluminum arrow, heating up the glue and rolling them on the roller, yep. trying to, trying to get them to cool where they were straight because there was just too much, too much play. It's not like a carbon arrow where you slide it on and roll it. And if it's straight, it's straight. If it's not, it could be the outside, right. you know, or insert or whatever. And that you can just change that. But um, yeah, I mean, I shot, I, I shot, I probably shot 20 animals with a bow with aluminum arrows um, and big heavy ones. I mean, I, shot a lot of pounds for a little while i mean 25 14s and 440 grain four blade broadheads and five inch feathers on them and <laughs> all kinds of things trying to make them shoot straight you know so but yeah, yeah it's it's a lot, a lot different now yeah I, I used to shoot the double x 78s which was the straightest car aluminum you could get at the time yeah, uh, of course, back then it was like $65 a dozen for, for those <laughs> where you could get the cheaper ones for like 30 so right. I was paying double, you know, almost double the price for them. But, you know, the straight of the shaft, the tight of the groups. Yep. And when you're trying to send a broadhead down there, and you know, and you're tweaking. And like you said, you know, you line the fletching up. And then I was shooting a four blade. So it kind of a little bit, a little bit different that time. And then yep. I said switch to three blades. And then you line up the fletching even with it. And, you know, that's how you get the most, you know, the best, best flight out of them. That's uh, yep. what I found with the aluminum. And. Yeah, heating them up and twisting them a little bit, heating them up, twisting a little bit. And then if you go too far, <laughs> you got to go, you got to, you know, turn them about, you know, 90, an eight, 120 degrees, 270 or something, you know, turn to the yep. next set of and try it again because you can't really back them out because now you're loosening yep. the broadhead up. And yep, um, it's, it was such a funny, I think about it compared to what we do now. And it's just, it's kind of funny. Like we, I spent hours trying to get six arrows straight enough that I could shoot a good group at 40 yards, you know? <laughs> yeah. And uh, well, I've done the same thing with uh, carbon arrows. 
you know, you can still tune to broadheads, so they group the same. You know, yeah. if you have like I, I then I was shooting hundred grain muzzies with three blades, and I would line up the fletching, the the two fletching with the two blades of the broadhead because it was a three blade. I'd line them up, and they'd be off a little bit. Now those you glue the tip, the inserts in. You're not heating them up to move them. No, no. They're, they're not. They're not able to be taken out like that. So no. what they come up with is uh, something called a U-bar, which is a cone-shaped washer. And then you would put um, that on your broadhead with an O-ring between the shaft and the broadhead. So that cone-shaped washer, you would you would crank it down. And now you could tighten it up or loosen it up a little bit, and you could do that fine tuning that we used to do by heating up the aluminum, you know, the hot melt glue. We could do it, so you'd tune them in there, and uh, you know, I got where I could I could group my arrows uh, tight enough that I could hit X's with my broadheads. Right. Yeah. But don't shoot field tips out of that bow because they don't come anywhere close. <laughs> right. But I didn't care because I knew yeah, my broadheads were... were hitting where I needed. Right. Exactly. It's it's hard like. I, I tune my broadheads and my field points to shoot pretty close to the same now, but I, I, I'm not really worried about it. Like most guys, even guys that come into the shop, they want them to be exactly the same. And it's, it's hard to understand, or it's hard to get for me to worry very much about that because I'm like, man, you don't remember what we used to go through. As long as the broadhead shoots really, really good. I don't really care if my field points are three inches to the right, you know what I mean? Or left right. or wherever. Um, but I spend quite a bit of time helping guys get their field points to shoot the same because that gives them some sort of comfort. So, <laughs> yeah. but it's, it's, it's not the same as, as the way it was, you know, um, it was definitely a lot more work and a lot more time involved in trying to get things to work. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. And I, I can remember one time when I was trying to get the most consistent, most accurate arrow I could. And, you know, with the double X78s, you know, they're zeros or one five straightness. And I'm I'm figuring, okay, I want the total weight of the arrow. And I'm doing uh, field tips. <laughs> I want the total weight of the arrow to be exactly the same. Because they're going to leave at the exact same speed. So now my drop should be exactly the same. You know, it, so I went through and I fletched my arrows, had their insert in there, and I weighed the shaft and I took and I wrote on the shaft how many grains it weighed so I knew how much that weighed and then I knew the variation there and then I took all my because having the store I'd buy my points in a hunter bag and so I'd go through and weigh all my my points until I could match them up so they're all the same now some of them I couldn't get quite close so I'm filing the back of the insert before I glue it in so <laughs> yeah. I I got a whole dozen arrows with field tips with it no within a half a grain from one end to the other end wow i did, did it once <laughs> yeah did, i yeah. mean we i mean if you've been doing archery long enough and you work on your own stuff at all you you go through all kinds of <laughs> all kinds of trying rabbit holes i guess trying to figure out how to make everything work better did you find that that helped a whole bunch with your accuracy or or not no because <laughs> no. yeah. that time That's... i wasn't i wasn't that good of a shot you know it's, i was still uh -huh. working on developing my skills and stuff but yeah um you know i didn't notice really any any real difference in that um you know that was one of those things that 
you know, you go through and, and try and the amount of work it was, I heard it wasn't worth the effort I put into it for the results I was getting. Right. Um, you know, when now if you can say, okay, I'm getting dead center in the X, dead center in the X with this setup. And without that setup, I'm keeping them in the X. Right. You know, then, okay, is it worth it? Well, yeah, because maybe one would come out and keep them in that dead center right on that little spot in the middle. But, right. Now I grab a hundred grain point and I screw it on my, my arrow and go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how I, I, I am don't too. I don't weigh my finished arrows, I don't weigh my tips. It, it's yeah. at the range we're shooting at 20 yards or less. Yeah. Uh, you can be shooting 10 grains difference and won't know the difference. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I, I mean, the only time I think I would consider that is if I was gonna shoot on a professional level, um, you know, and, and be really competing, then I would be like, okay if it saved me, you know, a line one time, then it might be worth it. <laughs> right. But, but the, yeah, in, in general, I, I think it doesn't matter. I mean, as long as it's close, it'll be fine. Um, you know, for hunting situations, you, you don't know the exact yardage. You got a pretty good close gas. Now, if you use one of those range finders, you know the exact yardage, but you still got a, you got an animal that's moving on you. Yeah. So they can easily take a stab and be off. But yeah, yeah if, if you're looking at, um, you're competing in a 300 round and the winning scores are 300. Yeah. Uh, all the top scores are 300. Who wins with most number X's? Yep. And, you know, if you can get one more X, that might mean you win. So yeah. there I can see somebody that's at that level, the, you know, the yes. top levels, the professional levels, or, you know, your, your Olympic levels and, um, you know, those might be worthwhile to have, you know, one more X, you know, right. or two more X's because their arrows yeah. are or, or, that or much ins closer. An inside X instead of an outside X or just right. that little, that little tiny difference that, that made the difference, you know, but yeah, in general, I don't think, I, I yeah, I don't think that that's a necessary thing to do for most people. <laughs> no. Uh, what I remember one time uh, when I was in one archery club, uh, we had a broadhead sighting in day. So we had a target, a broadhead target out about 10 yards. Uh, it wasn't near our regular backstop because it was a cardboard one and you didn't want broadhead sticking a cardboard target. But one, you may not get them out. Right. <laughs> Two, it does tear them up. So we had a broadhead target, 10 yards. I was amazed at how many people couldn't hit the two foot square target. Yeah. yeah. And, and they're going to go hunt. It's like, okay, we, we need to fix something here. And uh, it's amazing yeah. how many people just don't spend the time to get good at it. Right. Um, or even if you don't have the time to go shoot a lot, you at least need to know proper form. You yeah. Know, get with an instructor, you know, myself or any of the other instructors that can yep. help you get that form. Because if you got that form, you can get back and shoot really good, you yep. know, with, with the proper form in a short period of time yeah yep yeah that's what yeah well, well being having a shop you got guys who want to paper tune some guys don't even want to shoot through the paper they just want you to paper tune it which doesn't mean that for them it's going to be a bullet hole but you get uh you get so many guys that they want to shoot through the paper but they don't have any form they've just got a bow and they you know, they bought it with their buddies and they've been shooting for the last five years and they, they just can't 
they can't do it. They don't have good enough form. So we spend tons and tons of time helping people with their form, just trying to get them to where they can, they can shoot an arrow the right way and that they know right. what it feels like. Because I, I feel like when you're shooting a broadhead, when shooting field points, you can get away with your gripping your bow a little bit or not having your hand at the right spot. And you can shoot okay. You can you can feel like you can hit a target, but as soon as you put broadheads on there, all of those all the little different pressures and the different things that you do, it it, yeah. it, it opens your group up significantly all of a sudden. So, it for hunting, like I feel like you should be able to make the best shot that you can, and it's worth going right. and getting your bow tuned right and getting enough instruction so that you have proper proper form and you can you can actually shoot an arrow that's going to go straight you know right I mean? so and, and and i've seen some that you know where proper form gets good tear bad form you get a bad tear and, uh, and you can't get it out because it's their form causing it yes and uh, i had one guy come in and he just couldn't group with his bow and he thought okay it's it's got to be the rest so he wanted uh -huh. to put a drop away rest on it so I put a drop ray rest on it. And what do you got to do with a drop ray rest? You got to shoot it, see if it's set up right, right? Yeah. So I go in the range. There's one of the other guys is in there helping somebody else. And there's a, a guy sitting, one or got two guys sitting back there just kind of watching. And I, I go in, I take the first and I shot. It's like, well, not too bad. Try another. Boom. Robin Hood and Arrow. And guy says, yeah. I, I never seen anybody do this. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the second one I've got working at the archery store. And and I got I like six others. You know, I could shoot in single spots just for that reason, because you you know, busting knocks all the time. And um, you know, you just you just yep, don't want to yeah. do that. And then the guy said, you know, I could not group shooting this bow at all. And the first thing he thinks, well, dude, it's you, because <laughs> I just yeah. stuck two arrows together. I put them in the yeah, same and, hole. <laughs> and yeah, it's really hard. Some people are easy to tell that to, and some are not as easy. Yeah. But it, I didn't it say it really, that way, but <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, a little it, more tactful. It, yeah, <laughs> it, it really makes a giant difference. Like it, it, like your grip on your your bow is probably your first thing that I think needs to be right, and then the second thing you got to have an anchor point, and then from there you can start working on your trigger and and letting an arrow go yeah. right. You know, um, but you've got to get a couple of things straight first. You you got to start building your foundation somewhere, and I think got to get your grip first so that the you're not torquing the bow or grabbing it or twisting it or whatever. Um, and then, you know, you start back and I really try to teach people um, not to like, you, you get the guy who's new and he wants his arrows to hit in the middle of the target. And when you're brand new, it's okay to sight your bow in, but if your arrows are three inches to the right today, and then you move your sight and then you come back tomorrow and you're a little bit different. So now you're, you know, you're two inches low and it's, it's not anything to do with the bow at all. It's just right. a matter of learning to be consistent enough to shoot. I mean, I've watched guys for months chase their sights around and I'm trying to tell them, you know, stop doing that. Just don't move your sights and just shoot for two weeks and try to do it the same way every time. And until they yeah. do that, they never can get their bow sighted in because they're just all over the place. You know, it's just, but it's, I mean, I say all over the place, they're two inches one way and then they're two inches that way. And those are inconsistencies usually in the, in the archer that cause all of that. Right. I know I've gone through and, and, you know, it's like, there's no target to shoot at. It's just a blank, blank backstop. Mm -hmm. Shoot. 
you hit the black backstop, you're good. You miss the backstop, we're going to talk about what you're doing drastically wrong. But hit the backstop anywhere. Doesn't matter where it goes. And then work yeah. on that. I know when I first learned back tension release, we shot with our eyes closed. There's like uh -huh. 10 or 15 of us, something like that. Um, just standing close enough to the backstop that we could lean forward, grab their own pull it back out, and we're shooting with our eyes closed just yep. to learn the form. And yep. you know, and it's amazing how many times once you open your eyes, your form goes crap. <laughs> and, and, yeah. and there's no there's no target to shoot at. It's just a blank. It all looks the same because all just edge of the cardboard. And then yeah. close your eyes until you finally do it. And you know, now you do it enough that you know there's there's techniques that I use if my form goes to crap that I can fix. And yeah, one of the yeah. things I use, I have a string that's the length of my drawing. I put it around my thumb and I can shoot. And when my form is correct. That string jumps straight off my hand to the target. If it doesn't do that, my form's off. So I keep working on that. And I can work on that without having a bow in my hand. Yeah, you know? we we do that with some people. If we get somebody who's really struggling, I go back there and get them a piece of string and try to tie it in knots so that it's the right right length for them and say, go home and watch TV and practice. You know what I mean? Like you yeah. don't have to shoot arrows. You can you can you can sit here and try to get everything right. And it actually improves some people a lot. Like they come back right. in a couple of weeks and I'm like, wow, that like that really helped a lot. So yeah. yeah. When your string hits your TV, you'd know you did it right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's uh it's funny. Yeah. The the amount of time that you spend learning how to do it. And like you were saying, like you still find yourself maybe you didn't shoot for two weeks or something because you had a bunch of things going on and you come back and you've got a little problem with your form and it, you have to fix it again over and over and over again right. it seems like no matter how good you get you're always working on something you know what i mean you're you're like okay i'm 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 pushing into the heel of my bow or i'm not letting it go right so the the thing that i i like to tell people is to is to try to practice to make it feel like everything worked just right right like everything happened just the way you wanted it and then you can really start working on your groups and then you can get stuff to work real well some you know in general <laughs> yeah a process to go through yeah uh, one of the things that i used to do is you know uh guys shooting at the target and he just all you know they're all over the place around the target so i'll take like a one inch wide black you know electrical tape or something put it up there put it on the backstop horizontal mm -hmm. i says okay now or a marker or something anyway just make this horizontal line that's that's about an inch thick and put it on a horizontal line and now i, I tell them shoot the line doesn't care where you're at shoot the line and and then they're going through and then you know it's amazing how they're going to hit that line most of the time okay <laughs> yeah. now i turn the line and instead of being horizontal make it vertical that's amazing how much they hit that line this is well you have now just hit a one inch circle you just proved to yourself that no matter where it is horizontally, you can hit that one inch wide line or vertically, you hit that one inch wide line. Your your, your X ring your, is only a one inch diameter circle. Yeah. You should be able to put every shot in that, that X ring. Like, oh, yeah. You know, it builds their confidence that, you know, they can right. do it because your mind will let you float across that horizontal or vertical line. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, and you don't yeah. think about it and then go and, um, yeah. Well, I, I, I tell the you know, people when I find out they're an archer, and I say, do you use a, a wrist uh, release? And yeah, and I said, okay, I'm going to give you first lesson for free. Quit pulling the trigger. Like, yeah. huh? 
how do you know I'm doing that? I've talked to many people. You're doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it, yeah. That's, that's the battle that, um, that takes a lot of working on your mind, um, to get through the, to get through the trigger the right way and to, and to make it all happen. Right. It, it, it's, it's a, I don't know. Archery is a battle with yourself is what it is. It's a right. mental game. It's a mental game that we play with ourselves. And that's why I think that's why so many people, um, it's like therapy for yourself. You know what I mean? You go out there and all you're doing is working on your own mind and doing things right. And you can let everything else go. And, and you're just in your own little world yeah. <laughs> out there shooting your bow, trying to do things perfect, you know, and, uh, it's a never ending struggle, no matter how much we shoot or how good we get, we're still working on something. So, yeah, there. You know, if you can take the center of that X where the two lines cross and hit it 100% of the time, you're not getting any better. But right. I don't know of anybody that can do that 100% of the time. <laughs> nope. But sometimes we hit it 15 times in a row, you know, and, and right. that makes yeah. you feel pretty good. So, yeah, that's, it's, it's, I don't know, it's fun. I, I just, archery is just a fun thing that I, I, I was lucky, like, getting into archery, for me, it was always fun. And my uncle was always like, well, come watch me. And he, he gave me, I mean, I wore out all the old archery junk he had, right? We, if you've been doing archery, you've got a closet full of stuff. It's yeah. just junk, you know? <laughs> and I mean, I don't know how many dozens of arrows he came up with for me to buy from him for nothing almost, or gave to me when I was learning to hunt between like 13 and 15 I mean, I planted arrows all over the mountain, you know, I shot at every deer I saw. <laughs> I learned all kinds of lessons. It took me like a couple of years to get one with a bow, but I was always trying, you know, somehow I made a bad shot here or there, but finally, finally, I finally got one. I think when I was 15, that was when I got the first deer with a bow. And, uh, and then after that, it was, it was all over. I got, I've got, I've shot something with a bow every year, I think since then. So it's it's yeah it's it's archery should be fun hunting should be fun and we should be enjoying it and i i have a hard right. time when i see people that are not doing that <laughs> yeah yeah i i uh i i had my kids out uh two years ago two of my kids and we were we got into it it was the first bull elk that they got into um and actually had a chance to try and shoot it and it was a big one you know it was a a really big six by seven and I didn't even have a tag. I was just helping them. And they both came really close to getting a shot and they were both really mad and started arguing after it was over because, <laughs> you know, I'm, they were blaming each other for not getting the elk. And I'm like, you guys, if you want to come back out here and you want to hunt elk with me, like we're having fun. I was like, I had so much fun trying to get that elk and you're definitely not going to kill all the elk you see with the bow, <laughs> like right. it's just, just never going to happen. You're going to go through 10 of them before you get one, you know? So anyways, they, they thought about that. They were quiet for a while. And since then we've had a lot better hunts, but they were really arguing about it. I mean, they were, that's your fault. I didn't get that, you know? And I was like, no, 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 <laughs> that is not what we're going to do on an elk hunt, you know, like no, we no. make mistakes and we had fun and, you know, let's go try another one, you know? So. Yeah, because that, that makes it no fun for you and you don't want to take them out. Yeah, that's all that's what I do. Yeah, that's what I told them. I was like, hey, I want to have fun. That's why I came out here. So if you guys want to have fun, let's go hunting. Otherwise, 
I'm not going to bring you back because <laughs> I, I do this for fun and to relax and, you know, to forget about everything else and have a good time. So, yeah. Yeah. That's Anyways. the thing about archery is you, you have to relax to shoot it. Cause if you're, you're stressed about something, think about something else, you're not going to shoot very good at all. <laughs> and, right. and then you get more upset. Yeah. It's like better off and just not shoot that day. Yeah, no. And you there's days where, where you just put it down and don't shoot. Like you shoot a few and it's just, if it's really not happening, you should just walk away. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah. That, that, that's one thing you learn after you screw it up enough times. Get You don't want bad <laughs> practice. <laughs> yeah. 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 It, it's just like, you know, uh, when I was first starting the Archstock 101 Facebook group, you know, I wanted to cater to helping archers out. You know, that's why I called it Archstock 101. And uh -huh. I actually started the podcast first and then huh. I was like, I was challenged to put, to put a podcast out, you know, once, once a month. And then it's, we'll do it two months. I said, okay, I'll do two. Yeah. Now what do I do it on? Oh, well, <laughs> archery. I can talk archer all day long, <laughs> you know, so I started right. out. And then the first thing I did was I put out a little checklist for new archers that have never been to an archery store. What do you look for when you go there? You know, what do you need to know? No. Um, and when you go into an archery store, what should they be asking you? So at least they know. It's like if they're not asking you, um, you know, check and see what your dominant eye is because that makes a difference for your right or left-handed bow and right. why you're doing it. Yeah. You know, uh, is it just for fun or do you watch the Hunger Games and you're like, oh, that'd be cool. Do you want a recurve? you want a compound, longbow, a crossbow? Yep. Uh, you know, what is it you're looking to get out of it? Is it just, hey, I just want to fling arrows in the backyard once in a while and just shoot my bow. It's like, okay. Get yourself a recurve, right. much more simple. And, you know, a lot of my traditional archers, like, that's the only one to use. But, yeah, yeah you know, you got to look yeah. at what is it that you want to go for it. It's like, okay, well, I'd like to compete. Well, what do you want to compete in? Yeah. You know, and those are all things that, you know, you're going to have to find out from a new archer, um, you know, and then fit them with the right bow. And then I always told them, okay. Now, if you're right-handed, you're going to grab the right-hand bows, your left-handed bows, grab the left-handed bows. But um, grab a bow, put it in your hand. Does it feel good? No, put it back up. Okay, that feels yep. good. Okay. Um, now, any other feel good? Yeah, this one feels good. Okay, let's go shoot those two. Yeah. And then it, and don't let them do more than two bows at a time. <laughs> I, I found right. it the hard way. I had six bows one time laying on the floor of this guy shooting. And finally, I says, you know, he couldn't figure out which one he wanted. So I said, I says, okay. Close your eyes, shoot this bow. Okay, now take that from, give the next one. Okay, shoot it. You shoot his eyes closed. So, you know, we don't have to worry because I was watching to make sure nobody come in the range from behind us and walked up in front. And, you know, he's right. at least pointing at the backstop. And it's okay, which one do you like the best and why? He says, well, I like this one better because I can't care less what his reason why. I just want him to say it. You know, right. I wanted them to say why they liked it better. Now, okay, the one they liked the best, I keep that one. And then I go grab two more of them, two different ones. Right. Shoot this one, shoot this one. Which one like better? Now I have the ones he likes. I go through the, the, the last two. Which one like better? Now I grab those two. Which one do you like the best? And then you're like, okay, this is your bow. Yep. Then there's eyes closed. You know, no, yeah. no loyalty to brand. And, um, you know, I used to have people come in as well. Well, I'm going to get the best. Well, what's that? Matthew. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's a hard question right there. Yeah. The the advertisements say they're the best. Yeah. They're used a lot because they used to be one of the only ones that paid you extra to win with their bow. 
which is a great marketing ploy. You know, <laughs> a professional right. archer is going to win no matter what bow they have. They can yeah, they, I, anybody's yeah. bow. Yeah, it doesn't you know? matter. But if you're if you're a professional, you're doing this for the money, as well as fun. But if you can get an extra two thousand, five thousand dollars for taking first place with the Matthews bow over somebody else's, aren't you going to take the extra money? Right. Now there are some that you know they like this bow and they don't care if they don't pay as much. This is the bow they like, and that's what you should do. And right, um, you know those come in with an open mind. I used to get in my PSEs all the time. Yeah. Those without an open mind, yeah, you're not getting them out of there. And I didn't try. You know the yeah. Hoyt shooters were a little bit different, but now there's you know that was before Elite come out and um, uh, Bowtech I don't think was around. Um, your, your diamond bows wasn't around, and there's there's other one Elite. Um, yeah. All those are bows that didn't exist back yeah. when I was first started in this. You know, yeah, uh, twenty what was it twenty three years ago <laughs> yeah. or twenty two years right. ago. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. They didn't exist. And in fact, carbons were just coming out. And yeah, the they, very first tough. carbons had outserts on it. And the carbon fibers are laid in, in, from the knock to the tip in that orientation. And uh -huh. when they broke, they shattered and basically exploded fiberglass fragments all over. Yeah. Or carbon fiber fragments all over. And yeah. it's like, there's no way, no way I'm going to shoot a, a, a carbon arrow. There's no yeah. way. Yeah, that, it was like, when when those arrows came out. Yeah, it was. I remember seeing guys shoot deer, and you know, there's a spot that big through the deer that there's just carbon all the way all over the place in that meat. You just about couldn't eat any of it because you didn't know right. where the stuff went. You know, so we we were pretty leery of carbon for quite a while when it first came out. Yeah, and then they come out with the um, the cross weave where you're running horizontal and vertical and lay that out, and those they snap clean. Um, and then PO's that come with the X weave, which is actually looks like little instead of being horizontal vertical, they actually go crosswise. Yeah. You know, like that's what call them the X because if you look down the shaft, they look like a bunch of X's. And yep. those are a real tough shaft as well. And yes. you know, there I I took uh, one night when I was at my range, you know, how tough those those some of those arrows are. Uh, at least your your better quality ones. Uh, I was I was shooting at my broadhead target at my my range and I was tired after working all day long. And, and I missed and hit the concrete wall. Yeah. With a muzzy broadhead. No oh boy. And I go up there and the shaft is laying on the ground, the muzzy broadhead sticking in a concrete block. I reach up and it had the muzzy broadhead with half the insert on it. The other half had broken, was in the shaft. And uh, I think it was broke. I don't remember now, but I pulled the broadhead out of the concrete block and looked at it. Not a bit of damage on that point. Jeez. I still have the broadhead. I still I don't even know which one it is anymore because I never marked it. So I right. still have that broadhead. Didn't even mess it up. So I pick up the shaft and it was cracked that back about an inch. Yeah. So I cut it off and let my kid use it. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm surprised. Like we shoot a little bit of 3D or I don't know what you call it. It's only 20 yards, but we set 3D targets up and have a right. bow shoot every year. Um, but it's we we always have some bonus targets which are you know three eighths inch thick steel and uh they've got about an inch and a quarter hole in them <laughs> for oh. for double points or lose your arrow and get normal points you know anyways um there's some arrows like one that surprises me is the black eagle deep impact right. um that arrow even though it's got an aluminum outsert i've seen 
bows that set at about 60 pounds, 65 pounds. We had one arrow hit that steel plate, I think, 12 times in a row before it bent the outsert or broke the arrow. All it was doing was shooting the knocks out the back. Oh, um, that's I, a I tough mean, shaft. <laughs> yeah, it's really tough. Um, and some of the, arrow, the other arrows are that tough, but not for whatever reason, the way the design of that outsert is, it's, it's really tough. Like it shocks me. It'll bend because it's aluminum, but it's, right. it's really tough. Um, but it's some of the, like your, uh, your victory uh, TKOs, if those hit it right, if it doesn't break the outsert, it usually won't break the arrow. Like the arrow will survive like the deep impact. I mean, it, it's kind of crazy. Like watching the steel get shot hundreds of times. Is, <laughs> it, it's educational anyways. So but yeah, there's some stuff out there that it's surprisingly tough. Like you're not going to shoot it into a bone on an animal. It's not going to break, you know, if, yeah. if it hits sideways, it would, but not straight on. So. Yeah. And I've, I've hit thigh bones with my muzzy and it didn't even, it still went through, shattered the yeah. bone. And, um, yeah. you know, fortunately you catch an artery and you know, they're going to, going <laughs> to die, but uh, otherwise we're just limping around. But, right. Yeah. I, you know, that muzzy, but the only thing I haven't been able to go through is that part of that shoulder blade that has that big, big uh, bone on it. Yeah. Uh, it don't go through that, but it'll go through the other part of the shoulder blade. Yeah. You know, a little bit, yeah. like the little bit lower one. Yeah. There's all kinds of stories with all kinds of broadheads going through all kinds of bones and there's all kinds of stories where they didn't. So yeah, <laughs> I, I tell everybody, don't try it. Don't count on that working and, and no. aim, aim in a good spot because yeah, you don't want to hit bones if you can help it, for sure. Well, but, the rib bones are kind of the, the bone that would, if you hit any of them, that's that's going yeah. to be the one that you would most likely hit. And yeah, the, know, those, a good durable broadhead's going to go through them. Yeah, those bones, those bones are fine, but yeah, shoulder bones and everything else, I try not to hit them if I can help it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's not good when you when you hit one of them shoulder bones and now the yeah. shoulder blade itself. You know, I go through them fairly often and, you know, no problems with that, but, you know, it's, it's a little bit softer. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. About like a rib bone. Yeah. Yeah. You hit the right part of that. It goes through pretty good. So, yep. Yeah. That's a lot, lot of, lot of interesting stories. You got some, so, you know, I, I figured, you know, looking at your profile, it's like, you're going to have some cool stories. And I, I was right. Yeah, yeah no, I, I, I've, I've been shoot. I've almost been doing archery as long as you have. Um, and I've shot a lot of stuff with a bow. I, I mean, one other thing I think that people don't realize happens is how fast animals move. Um, oh yeah. You know, it's, I, I used to take a lot longer shots and I'm perfectly capable of making good long shots but animals don't, they don't hold still and, and no. they don't. And so you, you, you see bad things happen, taking long shots. And then I've even had, I shot, uh, I went to Africa one time and I shot a zebra and the zebra was only at 23 yards and you know, it's coming into a water hole. So it's going to give me a good shot sooner or later. And the guide right. said, can you hit the spot? And I'm like, from here, yeah, I can hit the spot. I mean, I can hit a, I can hit a quarter on the zebra. You just tell me where you want me to hit it. So he told me where he wanted to hit it. And I shot and you could see my arrow hit that into that black line, right in the perfect spot, you know, and, and the zebra kind of leaned towards the tank and ran away. 
well, the zebra just kept running away. Like it never stopped. And so the guide's like, I don't know what happened, you know, like that, that arrow hit a good spot. I was like, oh yeah, it, it hit the spot you told me to shoot at, you know, anyways. So he said, well, would you be willing to shoot it with a rifle now that you've shot it? And I'm like, of course I would. I want to know exactly what happened. However, we can get it. Let's go get it. You know? <laughs> yeah, let's and go so, get it. And so, uh, so they, you know, we got the rifle out and we jumped in the truck and drove across the desert for a mile and finally found it and shot it. And what had happened was, as you go back and you watch the video and that, that zebra, when I shot, it was trying to get out of the way or, or jump in the string or whatever. It laid completely sideways on top of that water tank. It happened faster than you could see. So that arrow still hit the same place, but it stayed between the ribs and the hide inside. It never went inside the chest cavity all the way to the backbone. So there was about this much arrow sticking out of the spot that I needed to hit, <laughs> but it never hit anything that mattered. It didn't do anything. I mean, eventually that arrow would have fallen out and the zebra would have probably lived with us with an, a broadhead in his, you know, his backbone. But I mean, how would you ever see that happen? Like I didn't know, we didn't know what happened till after the whole thing was over. And I'm like, they're like, well, let's go inside and eat dinner. I'm like, no, I'm going over there where the butcher is. I want to see you know, what happened to that thing. Right. Um, and then, and then after I saw it, I'm like, well, how'd that happen? And I went back and started watching the video and slowed it down. And, you know, it's just crazy, but it's not always that you made a bad shot. It's not always that you screwed up. It's not that you had a bad broadhead. It's just, you're hunting a wild animal and they don't hold still. And they're, they're trying <laughs> not to get killed. <laughs> right. So, you know, yeah, and who um, would have thought it would have laid over sideways? Yeah, I mean, it is. It was completely horizontal on top of the tank, and you, you. I mean, you didn't see it happen. It just laid down and gone, you know. And uh, and and we were just all like, "Why is the zebra still? Why is that thing still going across the desert?" You know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, anyways, it was pretty interesting. But that, I mean, you don't always want to be hard on yourself about the shot and everything that happened because we we can't even see always what happens you just do the very best you can and you know hopefully they don't move is is the real challenge a lot of the time so but you said you're what 23 yards away yeah yep 23 yeah. yards and that's not even a long shot no and the you know the i was shooting that bow was shooting about 311 feet a second with that arrow i mean that's fast you know right that that's that a, didn't that's take a, much time yeah, that's a screaming fast arrow for a hunting arrow. And at 23 yards, it still managed to move that much. So, yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah that's, uh, uh, that, that's, yeah, like I said, that's crazy that it could do that much movement in that short period of time from the time that it heard the sound and the arrow mm -hmm. got there, it laid over horizontal yes. and, and just basically got a scratch. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it bled quite a bit because I had a flesh wound, but it wasn't going right. to die from it for sure. You know, like it, it would have lived. Healed, but... Yeah, it would have lived and and gone on. But I, I mean, I, I really wanted to know what happened. <laughs> like how right. how how in the world? Like I made a perfect shot. You know what? And and in your mind, you start you want to blame your broadheads. What did my bow screw up? You know what happened? Well, nothing happened. It was it was a really good shot. I, I mean, hit the spot, the broadhead worked perfectly, the arrow worked perfectly, the bow worked perfectly. 
but the animal moved and it was faster than I could see, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. it just, it, it was unreal how fast that thing, when you watch the video and you realize how far it really went, you're just like, how in the world did he move that fast? You know? Yeah. Um, big animal. I mean, they're big, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a little, a little rabbit sized critter that <laughs> like lightning fast. It was a, it was a big one. So well, zebras kind of, you know, size of a horse and, and yeah, you know, oh yeah, are... they're big, they're great, big boned. I mean, between the hide and the inside of the rib cage in places, it was that thick. Like, oh, it was, it was pretty crazy. And we're talking like four inches thick, you know, <laughs> and I was like, wow. So, <laughs> That's a lot to get through. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it never, I mean, it made it, you think about going from where the heart would be all the way to the backbone between two ribs. And it never broke out of either side. Like it, it stayed between all the way up. I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy because it's not even straight, but there was enough, there was enough, enough zebra to keep that broadhead in between all the way to the back. So, yeah. Kind of, kind of crazy stuff. Sometimes you just can't help it. Like you, you're going to have, yeah. it's just going to go wrong. I mean, it happens with rifles too, but it just, you can't always help it. You do your best and hope for the best, you know, but. Well, when you think about, you know, those, the longer the range, the more apt they have to do that because the, the speed of sound is way faster than your arrow. Right. You, you know, now on some of your rifles, you know, depending on the speed of that, you're, you're you know, getting closer, but, yeah. you know, you're still going to hear the sound before the bullet gets there. And, yeah. you know, not by much, but, you know, you do have a little bit more impact, but you get far enough away though in the sound they, they don't notice the sound but yeah uh, you know that's why you know we like to have our bows quiet and uh if you take a compound bow and trying to get the fastest bow you have they're loud yeah you know they make a lot of noise not like yeah. a crossbow but uh still they're pretty loud and i'd much rather have a quieter one and that's why you know on mine i put the 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 sims uh, string leeches on them uh -huh. you know, on my on my string on the top and the bottom i put it on my cable um i on my bow I, um my one bow i have a uh, control cable and the other one's just a single string but i'll put it on the string i'll put it on the cables you know i'll take and pluck the string and you hear that little high-pitched twang i put the dampener in it and it goes it's a kind of a thud well that's yeah. quieter bow but you know what it slows my bow down yeah but you know what it, it, i it don't does. care yeah, I, it's funny. I, one year I, we don't have, well, when I was younger, we didn't have a lot of whitetail in our area. Now we have some, um, but I drove to up to Northern Idaho and there was a lot of whitetail up there. Cause I decided I wanted to get a whitetail with the bow, you know? <laughs> so I went up there and we got set up and over the course of five days, well, I, I better back up. So I went up there one year, last day of archery season, Missed a really nice buck. He jumped the string at 40 yards. Um, and he was a really nice one. So the next year I was like, okay, I'm gonna go get me a quieter bow. I don't care how fast it goes. I'm gonna go back up there and I'm gonna get that thing, you know? And so I went back with the quietest bow I could find and, and the quietest arrows, everything was as quiet as it could be. And in five days, I missed seven bucks. And the farthest one was 27 yards. They all jumped the string. I mean, I aim low, they jump up in the air. I aim high or I, I just, I tried everything. <laughs> it was so frustrating. <laughs> I went back with my rifle that year and got one. <laughs> but, 
but you know, <laughs> sometimes you just, if they're all on edge because there's a mountain lion or something around, I mean, it, it's almost like you can't hit them no matter what you do. I, I couldn't believe it. You know, I was just like, how can they move that fast? But they do. <laughs> yeah, they do. You know, I, I've seen them move pretty quick. And then other times, like, you shoot them and the arrow goes through and they just kind of look around. They don't and, even... Huh? And they just walk off and... Yeah, I, yeah, I, I did one. Uh, I shot it in, and it just kind of turned around, set out in the field about 30 yards away. It was standing there kind of wobbling. And, and so I was like, okay, it's 30 yards. I stuck another arrow in it. And yeah. Then it run, yeah, then it nice. run off, and we had had trouble finding it, but we found it. Yep. Yep. Well, that's how it was when I shot my elk last year. I mean, I shot that elk at, it was about 20 or 22 yards, and uh, my arrow hit him, and he didn't even move. You know, he kind of set his feet like he was getting ready to run. And I was like, that was a really good arrow. So I was just going to put another one on and aim at the same spot. About the time I started to pull back on my bow, he finally, you know, ran down the hill 60 yards and tipped over. But yeah, he didn't even, he didn't even flinch hardly. <laughs> he just, he didn't know what happened. But anyways, yeah, so it's a lot of fun, but anything can happen when you're hunting. So. Yeah, it, it, anywhere from them just standing there and not doing anything and falling over to walking away to running and yep. uh, run for miles and or, or they stand there and you missed and they just look at you <laughs> that happens <laughs> yeah i haven't had that yet when i've shot they've they've always run off i haven't had them stand there and look at me yet but yeah i have i have a couple times it's just been like man i don't know what i did there but when i was younger you know i haven't done that for a while thank goodness but yeah it's it's a it's fun. <laughs> I, I had one that was walking along this ridge and I, and I shot and I don't know what I did, but I missed and it hit a tree. I heard it thwack that tree and they're, they're kind of run a little bit. It was heading to my left, it head left and turned towards me and back around. And now it's standing broadside to me the other way, closer, looking at where that sound was. I was draw another arrow and I was able to get it. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, the sound yeah. was on the other side. It ran away from the sound to me. <laughs> yep, you never know. You just be ready. Don't give up too quick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and it's kind of nice when you're you have a uh, in that same spot walking down down a tra trail. Um, shot at that one, and it went run off to my right, and then over to my left, coming the other direction. I heard another deer coming while I was at full draw, uh, waiting to shoot this one. And uh, so I shot the one and it ran off and I turned around where I heard the sound coming from about 20 yards away or the other trail is on. I load up another arrow and I drew back and waited to come to opening and shot. So I shot two deer <laughs> within a matter of oh, two, three minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's I don't know. Sometimes it just happens like magic and other times you can't make it happen no matter what. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, the worst one is, is when when they, they come by and you shoot at one and you, you miss it and you got yeah. like three arrows with you no one comes by you shoot at you miss it and then next thing you know you're out of arrows and they still keep coming by they're like <laughs> i i can't shoot you i don't have any arrows and i can't get down and go grab one of mine for one they're dull yeah. uh yeah. And, and two <laughs> yeah i don't want to spook them out of the area <laughs> for the next time i come there and shoot better this next time oh yeah yeah, uh, it's that's archery hunting, man. That's that's why we do it all the time because you, you got to go back out and see what happens next, you know. Yeah, 
always always something different in the field you, you never know and yeah yep well we've been on about an hour and a half now so yeah um, I, i'm looking at the clock thinking i gotta open the shop here in about 30 minutes <laughs> oh yeah we better let you go <laughs> yeah i gotta get going here in a minute so yeah Anyways. it's been been real great talking to you um yeah. very interesting stories um i know i enjoyed them i'm sure our listeners enjoyed them um it's, it's just been so nice having you on on the show yeah, do you have any no. parting thoughts before we head out i don't know good luck man <laughs> <laughs> practice and hunt hard <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you if you're not shooting any better, go to a coach and learn how to shoot better. Yeah. Listen yeah, to them. De definitely, it's worth it to to spend a little bit of time with somebody who can help you out if you're having any trouble. I mean, go to go to your archery shop. Make sure your bow's tuned right. Um, those things make a really big difference um, at at the end of the day when you're hunting. So you, you just your success will go up for sure. Um, making sure your equipment is right and that you're ready for you're ready for a, to make a good shot and and you should be able to find you know somebody close by that can help you out with that and, and get it figured out so yeah yeah it, it, it's it's not as much about the name brand is does it fit you yes exactly so. make, make sure you're comfortable and you're having fun and uh and, and your success will go up for sure so yep so but i'd like to Anyways. thank you for yeah Yep. Go ahead. Thanks for having me on. It's <laughs> been fun talking. So, <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. You get a couple archers together, we can talk for hours. <laughs> yeah, right. You just never no. end. You talk forever. Uh, hunt, yeah. Hunters, yeah, hunters are. Yeah, it's a problem when they get together and start talking every time, and you can't stop. So, yeah. Yep. Anyways, all right. Well, it was good. See, good Thanks. meeting you, and maybe we'll see you again someday. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my name is Rory Canterbury, host today on Arch Talk 101, and uh, stay tuned for the next one. We have more exciting uh, uh, podcasts coming up, so don't miss them. <laughs>